Welcome back to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. This is a program where we learn more about our interior lives. And it's likely that you've been hearing about emotional intelligence, if not in the workplace, probably in your relationship. People are talking about how EQ has become as important or even more important in some situations as IQ. To talk about emotional intelligence, we're joined by Dr. Jim Polo. Hello, Dr. Polo. It's so good to see you again. Hello, Sheila. How are you doing? Good. When was the first time that you actually heard the term emotional intelligence? Do you remember? Oh my gosh. I first learned about emotional intelligence about 35 years ago when I was in the very early part of my training. So, you know, the concept of emotional intelligence has been around for quite some time, but it, it's really only just recently, I'd say maybe in about the past five to 10 years where we've been spending a lot of more time talking about it. How did you define it back then? And does that differ at all with the way that you define it today with your patients? As a psychiatrist from a patient perspective, emotional intelligence is about how you think about understanding your relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. And more recently, emotional intelligence has become a key kind of aspect of how do you succeed in a work environment? Yeah. You know, it used to be many years ago that we had a very hierarchical approach to work. You had a boss, your boss told you what to do yeah. and you did it. And if you didn't like the way your boss told you how to do things, that was just the way it was. Whereas these days in the work environment, it's more about how do you collaborate? How do you work together? Even though your boss may be the one in charge, how do you communicate with each other in a way to actually get things done? And so, so it's a, it's a, it's a concept now that I think is important for, for us in all of our relationship, whether they're work relationships, family relationships, or social relationships. I want to start at the very beginning of emotional intelligence, which is the ability to actually perceive emotions, to decipher people's emotions in their faces and their pictures and their voices. If you have not grown up thinking this is important, what kind of a deficit does it put you at? Yeah. So it puts you at a significant deficit because you may miss things in your, in your dealings with other people. You know, emotional intelligence, if you just want to kind of define it simply, it's really the ability for somebody to be aware of their emotions, in control of those, and be able to express them in a way that allows you to have relationships that are successful. And typically relationships that are successful, there's, there's a sense of empathy. In other words, you can relate to people in such a way that they want to relate back to you. So perceiving emotions then is kind of the first step. Are you the kind of individual that can actually figure out, detect, sense what somebody is feeling? Can you read into their language? Can you hear their tone? Can you see their facial features? Can you see their gestures mm -hmm. to kind of understand, well, what are they actually feeling? You know, the, the simple example is when somebody is yelling and screaming, you know right away they are potentially upset. But sometimes there are people, for example, that are saying all the right words to demonstrate that they're upset, but their tone is even, their facial expressions are even. And so emotional intelligence in terms of perception is taking all of these different cues and kind of figuring out, well, what's the emotion that's actually going on? You know, I, I'm thinking about with so much neurodivergence in the workplace right now, there's got to be many people who are on the autism spectrum that don't have this capability at all. And 
when you work with these people that are, you know, all the way from Asperger's to a more complicated version of autism, is there any way to teach this perceiving emotions if they don't have the capability of actually seeing those cues? Yes. For folks that are having difficulty, they don't get the nuances. Right. You can spend time with them and kind of begin to help essentially really teach them to look for certain cues. When do certain cues really relate to certain types of emotions? Now, it's not absolute, obviously. We've all had that experience when somebody is smiling at you and you know they're not happy. You know, that that's that's that person in terms of the, the way that they display their emotions. Because remember, part of emotional intelligence is differentiating one individual from another. So at the more you get to know somebody, yeah. the more you're able to kind of perceive their emotions, which may be a little bit different in terms of the way somebody else projects their emotions. But you can spend some time with individuals kind of helping them. One of the challenges that we have in our society today is, you know, we have largely a lot of people that are connecting via mobile devices, internet, sometimes without visual cueing. So understanding other people's emotions is now complicated by all this technology that we have that's between our relationships. Yeah. You have mentioned here in your notes, the ability to manage emotion and regulate your emotion in both ourselves and others. And I don't know about you, Dr. Polo, but I've definitely worked in, you know, radio stations where people are very hot headed and there's a lot of explosions and yelling and throwing of things. And I just wonder as workplaces evolve, what place there's going to be for a human being who really can't manage their emotion because emotional intelligence is becoming so important. Yeah. And we, we've all run into those people that, you know, in the back of our minds, we know that that's somebody that can't. Okay. And those are the folks that usually end up either constantly in conflict or, or quite frankly, they end up alone because when it comes to perception, there's two elements. How are you doing in terms of perceiving other people's emotions, but how are you doing in perceiving your own emotions and what drives you to feel certain ways? Because management then is twofold as well. How do I manage somebody else's emotions? What are the things that I can say? What are the things that I can do that will help contain them? But what are the things that I need to be mindful of so that I'm managing my own emotions as well too? The classic example in parenting is a young child's emotionally out of control. They're yelling, they're screaming, they're upset. Okay. So the typical parent can very quickly identify, hey, this child is upset. But the good parent that's able to understand their own emotional reactivity is not going to respond by yelling and screaming back. That actually doesn't help the child. Regulating your own emotions, managing your own emotions is about saying, wait a second, my child is upset. Mm -hmm. They're yelling and screaming, even though I don't like it when they're yelling and screaming. And even though I'm going to caution them about that in the moment, what I really need to do is I need to manage my own emotions and not yell and scream back. Yeah. Slow down my thinking, slow down my talking, ask what's wrong. So that sense of managing is also kind of a two-way street, theirs and your own. 
when we speak about this has been really important, especially for the workplace, but I just see so many crossovers in terms of our own personal relationships. This self-awareness seems so key to be able to understand, okay, my, you know, cortisol is surging. I can tell that I've been triggered and I'm really like, I can't manage right now. So once you've got that self-awareness piece down, Dr. Polo, what do you do to achieve the self-regulation part? Well, it takes practice. <laughs> and, and the reason why I say it takes practice is because all of us sometimes have those moments when we don't do well. So, so I, yeah. I give you a personal example. Um, I think I've shared with you before that I spent many years in the military. Yeah. And when I was in the military as a very young officer, I remember when I was in charge, I just kind of expected things to happen. And I expected people to kind of do their job. And yeah. when they didn't do their job, I sometimes would get upset. Well, why didn't you do this? You know, we're supposed yeah. to have the motor pull done at, you know, two o'clock and blah, 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 blah. What I didn't realize is that my emotional reaction was really about the task didn't get done. Mm -hmm. But what the other person was probably hearing sometimes was I'm not valued. My boss doesn't like me as a person or I did something wrong and I'm in trouble. And that wasn't it at all. But what I realized, because I made the mistake, is that sometimes my emotional reactivity wasn't getting me the result I wanted, which was we got to get whatever the task is done. And so it really takes practice. And sometimes you will be in a situation where you overreacted or even underreacted. And then you have to use that to say, okay, how can I, how can I do this differently next time? So it does take a bit of effort to say to yourself, Hey, this is important to me, how I relate to others and how I use my emotions is important. What works for me? What doesn't work for me? And what can I practice so that my relationships will be smooth? I want to talk to you about, you know, sometimes I think personally that my self-regulation is really under control and then I'll get around someone who's super anxiety ridden and very angry. And I find myself like upping my ante because of their anxiety. So I almost feel triggered by other people's anger and their heightened emotion. How do we cope with that? Okay. So that is that, that's that, that next layer of importance. Okay. So let me just say back what I heard you say. You'll find yourself in a situation where you feel like you're pretty good at understanding your own emotions and yeah. you're pretty good at regulating your own, but somebody else, they're maybe not doing so well and their anxiety or their emotions keep raising the temperature up. in such a way that you find that you're reacting. Yeah. So one of the things that you can do with situations like that is take a little bit of a step back and simply articulate what you're hearing and what you're sensing. Because sometimes that individual doesn't, they're projecting something and they don't necessarily know what they're projecting. Yeah. So for example, let's say that you're dealing with somebody that is super anxious. And every time you say something, they're interrupting you because they're worried about something. So rather than focusing on whatever the topic is, taking a step back and saying, I'm noticing that you seem very uptight and tense right now, because they may not know that that's how they're coming across. Because part of, a, part of emotional intelligence is knowing how other people are actually perceiving you. And so if they don't know, one of the ways that you can help them is tell them. Another good example is when you're in a conversation with somebody where you feel like they are angry with you and it's putting the pressure on, and you don't know if they're doing that intentionally or they just don't know that they're making you feel like they're angry at you. And so saying to them, it sounds to me like you might be angry at me. 
which gives them the opportunity to say, well, you know, to be honest, I am. This is the fifth time that you've been late for our appointment. Or, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not upset with you at all. I'm uptight because, you know, my car just broke down this morning. So articulating to the other individual what you're seeing and hearing from that emotional context can sometimes be very helpful to other people. And then if they're aware that they're using this anger to intimidate you, that's when you have the ability to say, okay, I'm out. <laughs> I need a break. It, it, Exactly. Right? Because let's yeah. say that somebody is trying to use their emotions to essentially control you, manage yeah. you, whatever. And it's not what you want. It's not what you're willing to have in that relationship. You always, of course, have the ability to say, not for me, I, I, I need to back out. And we all have people that we know that we don't mesh well with, you know, that for whatever reason, the emotions don't combine well. I want to talk about motivation in understanding your own relationships um, to these kind of emotions. Why is it so important that we understand the motivation of the person we're attempting to communicate with? That's also critical. Um, and, And this one's probably equally as important in a family context as it would be in a work context. So let's say that you have an adult child and let's say that for whatever reason, the relationship maybe has got some challenges. You love being with your adult children, but for whatever reason, it's always kind of a little bit of on eggshells. So number one, what is it that you're trying to get out of that relationship? Hey, I want my adult child to just know that I value time with them. I love them. I'm interested in what they're doing. I'm hoping for success, whatever. Okay. Knowing what motivates them then also becomes very important. Is my adult child looking for my approval? Are they looking to let me know, hey, I don't have to be the same as you. And I want to demonstrate I'm doing things my own way. I'm, I'm different. Is your child more focused on something that's related to the two of your relationship, but not directly? So for example, a, a typical one with adult children is when they're potentially introducing a a potential partner or spouse to the adults because they kind of want their parents' approval at the same time that they really don't want it. (laughs) You know, they'll say, it's my life, I can do whatever I want. So being able to understand the motivation behind whatever's going on can help you regulate your own emotions so that you essentially can use those emotions to get what you really want. So I use myself as, as an example here. I have three adult children. They're all very different. Uh, and what I mean by that is I have uh, one child that tends to be relatively reserved, not really super outgoing. I have one child that's like super outgoing, all over the place, tons of friends. And then I have one that's kind of out there, but doesn't have a lot of close friends. In other words, it's very superficial. So I know that with my three kids, I have to communicate to them ever so slightly differently, particularly when they're around each other. You know, if I say something to one child and it's perceived as being a um, compliment, Hey, I think it's wonderful that you did the following at work and, you know, yada, 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 knowing that that's the way she is. Yeah, is my son now going to hear what I said and interpret that as somehow a criticism of, of right. his yeah. approach? So that's where all of this becomes kind of complex. Yeah. And back again, we're toggling between the workplace and relationships and our primary relationships. But what you just did and the way that you did it is also really tricky around a workplace table. You've singled out one worker. You've noticed the way that they're doing things. And now the three others feel as if they haven't been either seen or empathized with or even 
maybe that they're in the room. So I yes. love how I love how this really there's probably no barrier when we really think about why this is so important because relationships are relationships, right? That's true. Now, you made me think of something that's really important to highlight in a work environment. There's no question, depending on your job, you want to have expertise, you want to have knowledge about whatever your job is. That's the IQ part. But you need to be able to relate to other people, which is the EQ part. Because if you're super, super smart and you know the ins and outs of whatever it is that your job is all about, but you can't relate to other people, then you might as well be working alone. And and in fact, it's very interesting. It's been my experience as I look to hire people today. I actually look for somebody that's going to fit well with the team. I'm less worried about whether or not they have absolutely every little skill related to the expertise of their job. Because you can learn that. You can learn more about, you know, insurance. You can learn more about care delivery. You can learn more about all of those things that are related to the, the clinical stuff. It's very hard to hire somebody and teach them in a work environment how to relate to other people in a way that they come across as being collaborative. And, That's and just. Dr. Polo, would you consider that recruiters and senior managers are also beginning to see this same EQ as being such a priority in their hiring practices? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And in fact, recruiters will go looking for elements of emotional intelligence hmm. without even ever even asking the question. And hiring companies will be, particularly if they're using an outside recruiter, will be very, very specific about saying, what are the critical factors that are going to allow that person to fit into whatever their role is? If you're bringing somebody into the company who is going to be leading, let's say, a department or a division where they have five, six, seven direct reports, that individual isn't going to get anything done effectively if they don't have emotional intelligence. They have to be able to understand how they fit in, despite the fact that they may be in charge, to be able to motivate other people as a team to actually get things done. So if you have been kind of, you grew up in a family, emotions were not discussed, you you were very latent in being able to understand this in junior and high school. Is there a way you can do this as an area of self-exploration if you want to try to learn emotional intelligence? Well, there are all kinds of books right now that you can go out and purchase that talk about emotional intelligence, yeah. that help you kind of identify what are your traits? What are the things about your personality and what are the emotional things that maybe are your strengths at the same time that are your weaknesses. There's no question that how you were raised plays a role in how you eventually learn how to relate to other people. And sometimes some of us come from backgrounds that are challenged. That doesn't mean that we can't overcome those. And it doesn't mean that you can't learn how to relate to others in a more effective way. One of the key aspects of relationship is empathy. Can you have a relationship? Can you have a discussion? Can you, can you relate to other people in such a way that you can actually, for a moment, put yourself in their shoes and feel what they might be experiencing as a result of what you're saying or what you're doing or what the situation is or whatever? So, you know, empathy is, can you relate to other people where they feel like you get me, yeah. you understand me? Right. And it goes both ways. When we're having troubles, we tend to want to relate to people that can experience and sense how we're feeling. They have empathy for us. Yeah. I love ending on that because I think right now, probably one of the biggest challenges in order to get a really diverse and really authentic workforce or or even, you know, relationships have become so diverse and interesting is 
practicing that empathy, really active listening. And it's a skill that we really didn't learn in school. So I love that you ended with that, Dr. Polo. It seems very, very important to me. You know, it's interesting when you think about where we are today as a country, uh, we're struggling with a lot of things that are kind of divisive. People that are in one end of the spectrum on on a particular topic, divided from other folks that might be at the other end. And typically, typically what's really driving that divisiveness is each side not being able to really understand what it feels like to be on the other side. And so that's what that empathy and emotional intelligence is all about. Can I understand why this group of people might feel a certain way? And if I can, now what can I do to improve our relationship? And so I'm really hoping that, you know, as we move forward, that we can all do a better job of understanding how other people are feeling so that basically we can live together. What a perfect way to end this conversation, Dr. Polo. Thank you again. We're so glad that you're listening. And we have just received news that we're in the top 5% of all podcasts worldwide, which just makes this team so very, very happy. If you have any questions or perhaps you have uh, a suggestion for a topic that you'd like us to take up, please email me at Sheila at beyondwellwithsheilahamilton.com. Dr. Polo, thanks again. And I always appreciate your time. Bye.